these things they know they should be doing. <laughs> you found our level already. <laughs> <laughs> so things they should be doing. When they're, they're... Hello and welcome to episode 151 on the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Truscott. I'm no rockstar, but on this weekly podcast, I chat to the true rockstars, my fabulous guests and chums that I've met on my journey from techie to CMO and share marketing street knowledge to inspire your inner rockstar. Come say hello. You can find links to me, my guests, and the things we talk about in the show notes at rockstarcmo.com. And we are proud members of the Marketing Podcast Network. Just put Rockstar CMO in your search engine and you'll find it. It's Saturday the 28th of January. Thank you for joining us. I hope you've had a good week and you are well and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. This week in the Martin studio, Jeff Clark and I reboot our five effing Martin fundamentals. I go backstage with Shamir Dufuso, co-founder of Smart Panda Labs, to chat about digital transformation. And I wind down the week with Robert Rose in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. But first, <laughs> we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. <laughs> Right, it's time to drop by the Martin Studio for our weekly dose of Martin Street Knowledge with Jeff Clark, our resident Rockstar CMO, strategy advisor and former research director at Forrester Series Decision. Come on into the studio. We got to put some tracks down. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. It's funny because we welcome each other, don't we, every week? So I then welcome you. To who, who else am I going to talk to? Again this week? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we have a good topic this week because we've sort of crossed a milestone, haven't we? We didn't really hugely celebrate that it was uh, episode 150 last week. So 150 of these bad boys in the can. We were celebrating uh, over here in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> I can see all these empty bottles. Uh, and then, <laughs> so this week being 151, it's been like a year or so, I think, since we talked about the five effing Martin fundamentals. So, so I thought it'd be a nice idea to reboot those and, and sort of start to talk about what those things are. So these are the things that we consider in our infinite wisdom and your expertise. <laughs> what are the, a new CMO who's starting a new gig, it's important that they should have a fundamental understanding of these fundamentals absolutely that's which is why they're <laughs> called which is why they're called fundamentals <laughs> yeah the five effing that well the five effing marketing fundamentals or the five effing fundamentals of marketing we need to do something with the brand there but anyway we've got these five things that we that we think 
uh, all marketers should focus on. So we're going to kick that off again this week uh, and reboot that. But uh, the first question I have for you, which is always the question we're encouraged to ask when when we're as marketers, is why, Jeff? Why? What are these funda- why are these fundamentals? Why? It's, it's it's what your kids say when you say, you know, you're, this is really important. Why? <laughs> um, and, yeah. and and so. I mean, I think the answer is that, you know, whether, um, you know, you're building a new team or whether you're performing a transformation, you know, a CMO needs to assess, you know, what they're what they're working with. And oftentimes, mm-hmm. you know, you come onto a job or you're, you know, you get a sense that, that you know, you need to do a transformation. You know, what, what they'll do is they'll go around and talk mm-hmm. to their colleagues on the executive team. And so often it's about it gets to be about people um, and people's. People and their skills are definitely important, but I think, you know, one of the reasons to like think of these fundamentals is to say, are my people, are they armed with the things that are going to make them successful, you know, regardless Mm -hmm. of their skill levels or who's on the team, there are things that are, they're as important that are either key inputs or processes that are essential to making any marketing team work. Right, right. So these are five things that we think apply to all marketers, all disciplines that we think everybody needs to focus on, right? Particularly the CMO. Absolutely. Um, and one, I've I done a poor job of promotion. You know, I'm always talking about that we'll put this stuff in the show notes. But this week, uh, I actually listed these five fundamentals in our new newsletter called The Beat, yeah. which you can subscribe to uh, on our website. If you click on the button in the navigation, it's called The Beat, the newsletter. And I'll, and I'll be sending a newsletter every week or so, or like you said, when there's news available, Jeff. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, so, so, so I'm not unveiling a mystery this time. So if you've read the newsletter, you'll know what our five fundamentals are. And the first of those is uh, business objectives and outcomes. Tell us about that, Jeff. Well, I think that, you know, and, you know this doesn't just apply to marketing. This applies to any kind of team that you're assembling <laughs> yeah. to you know work on something is like what's what are the business objectives what are the outcomes that we're looking for yeah um the marketing team needs to understand you know why why are we doing this <laughs> you know and you know there's yeah. kind of the you know which we've talked about in in you know when we get into planning and strategy stuff it's like okay well so what's what's the purpose of our business the business has goals those goals around revenue customer retention brand loyalty etc cetera, etc cetera. so mm-hmm. you know then what is marketing's role you know in terms of being yeah. able to execute on that and and you know you really want everyone pointed in the in the right direction you want to motivate it and say right. you know i know why we're doing this i know why we hold this event right. i know why we're running this <laughs> newsletter I, you know it's all part of a it's all part of a plan that- yeah, well, it's a couple of things there. One is, yeah, this is kind of common sense for any business. <laughs> you make that very clear. It's so often the it other is absent. Is... <laughs> but also, um, and we've talked about this quite a lot on the show, so I, I guess we don't need to focus so much on this. Anybody that's listened to the show knows that we're very focused on business objectives and outcomes. But um, how, how, do we, how do we understand how are we going to measure success? What sorts of things do we need to do? Well, this is, you know, where you get into the the world of OKRs, you know, objectives and key results uh-huh. and and um, yeah. and uh, and understanding. And this is an area I think we could do a little more exploration on is like, so yeah. what are the, you know, primary set of goals that we need to track uh, and measure yeah. our success against? What are the metrics we use to to do that? Do we have the information 
Um, you know, as I mentioned, you know, there's opportunity generation, revenue contribution, brand or brand awareness, share a voice. Yeah. Or, I mean, there's all these things, but yeah. you want to pick what's important, what's important to the business and the executive team, what's marketing contributing, and yeah. kind of lay out this is the dashboard we need to create so we can track and say we're on, you know, yeah. we're doing well, we're not doing well, we need to work on things to make sure yeah. we hit goals. Yeah, we often mention OKRs, and I think you make a good point there, but perhaps we'll cover this. And um, on a future episode, if the listener's interested. Um, and are you a fan of that OKR model? Uh, yeah. Uh, objective I, and key results. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I think I'm, you know, and there's, there's probably different, um, you know, takes on, but they all come back to yeah. the kind of the same, the same thing is, you know, making yeah. sure your objectives are set at the right level and you're looking at what the results are. Yeah. All right. Okay. So we touched on the num our number two a little bit there because you talked a little bit there about insight and stuff like that. But this is so number two is research and insights. Um, so what are, what are we talking about when we when we've got our second marketing fundamental research and insight? Well, if you know, and, and this is, I think you know, the the first one is 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 an input into what marketing needs to do, and this is another mm. another key input is that marketing and and frankly the right. whole business needs to understand. You know more about the customer. What's their buying process? What what are the needs that that we're going to communicate yeah. and and talk about? What's the competitive landscape? Are there external forces that are out that 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 are impacting our ability to hit our objectives? And you know without the research and insights, you're really kind of you know flying uh, blind. Mm -hmm. And and you know as I said, they're frankly important to the whole business. I mean, if marketing can can provide this information. Uh, you know, in a compelling way to the whole business, sales, yeah. you know, product development, yeah. et cetera, it is extremely helpful to the, you know, the team's or the whole company's success. And and then, you know, over the near term, maybe it's for over the yeah. annual planning processes or these things become essential is we're understanding, you know, what's the ideal customer profile? How are we articulating the needs? Yeah. How are we going to build a go-to-market approach? How is that going to influence our campaigns, et cetera, et cetera? Um, so the CMO, I think, really needs to ensure that they can resource these insights, you know, whether it's from their product marketing team, whether it's part of interviewing sales customers, industry analysts. Somehow this has to get yeah. baked into the strategy and inform how we're going to campaign to win business. Yeah, and you know what I like about what you're saying? I mean, we talk about these a lot off the podcast, but what I like about what you're saying there, Jeff, is that it's almost like it's a it's a business discipline that marketing needs to be seen as a leader in in the business. Right? Is that doing research and insights and other people instead of being seen as the 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 experts in creating branded hoodies, right? <laughs> or, or you know, but that people actually come to marketing and say, "Look, I want to understand the customer better. Yeah. I'm redesigning the product, or I'm doing something," yeah. and that. That insight discipline is something we're seen as being good at within the business. Right? You want a seat at the strategy table. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the third, which is where we start to get into using some of these things, don't we, is the brand and the story. So tell us about brand and story. Jeff. Well, with the, you know, it's like with the research in hand, <clears throat> we kind of understand where we are. Uh, you know, what's our, what's our place in the market? You know, what do customers think of us? Uh, you know, prospects, what are influencers, what are they talking about, et cetera? Where's the gap between that and what we think, 
you know, reality yeah. should be. And how do we tell a credible story that says, you know, we bring as a company, we bring value to the market and how we address customer needs. And so that story, you know, you know, gets built into, you know, you know, obviously brand messaging hierarchies that kind of ladders from, you know, what the corporate brand is down to the the way individual solutions address pers- the needs of your personas you're marketing to, you're selling to. Um, yeah. Also, it's kind of yeah. what's the story that the execs and sales can tell when they're in conversations with customers and influencers. You know, you've got to, you, you, yeah. everyone's got to be on the same page in terms of the story and you want to make sure it's credible and it's based on solid uh, foundation of, of uh, you know, good data and insights. Um, and then right. it, it also starts to get into the brand attributes that you want to reinforce, right. uh, which then mm-hmm. rolls into, you know, sort of the, the, the mm-hmm. next set of <laughs> the next set of fundamentals. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we both recognize that brand is really about what other people say about us, but the stories we tell and those brand uh, need to be based on those attributes of the things we want people to know us for. Right. And you're, and you're always the difference there. Yeah. And you're always addressing the gap. Yeah. So what's the gap between mm-hmm. re- what, what we think yeah, reality yeah. is and what they yeah. think reality is. Yeah. 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 I wrote a blog post about that years ago about the brand gap you know mind the brand gap you know because i'm here in london you know what i mean yes. <laughs> mind the gap is a big you probably, thing so you probably thought like, of it when you're in the subway <laughs> yeah yeah so i think that like, i completely agree with you. i think that's part of marketing's role is manage that gap between what the market perceives you to be and and what you perceive yourselves to be, right so that's that's really important and i also you touched there very briefly and we should have done in the research insights this business about customer need really essential to this right is to understand needs so yep. So this then, yeah. So um, this then rolls in neatly into uh, into. Oh, hang on. So let me drill down a little bit. Have we explored this enough? So this would then drive our content strategy, right? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, you know we, yeah. we we kind of got into the what's the story we're telling and what's the story we're telling. Yeah. You know, can be a part of a personal conversation, but but obviously it it. it it gets down into the guidance of how marketing and this, this is why I know we mentioned at the beginning, we're talking about how this is, these are things that are important for the CMO, but this is why it, it you know, ladders all the way down to everybody in the, in the department, because it's like, right. you know, we got to put the editorial guidelines, the tone of voice about how we're talking. Yeah. We got to put our proof points and our case studies. We, we need to make yeah. sure that these nice little messages that we talk at a high level, mm-hmm. you know, ladder down to product or solution level messaging as well. So so things are making sense as, as somebody is going through a journey from being introduced to your company as someone who addresses their need, you know, down to, oh, you have solutions, down to, oh, there's specific products. You need to make sure, you know, yeah. you got to put the guardrails in place to make sure that that whole story makes yeah. sense. Yeah, so I'm seeing a number of matrices that we would build here, right? Against customer need, against industry, against, you know, and have that all mapped out before you start thinking about your campaigns, right? And, yep. and what I and um, think thinking about a matrix, I mean, it's also that hero hub hygiene content thing, isn't it? That you want to know what the big stories you want to tell, what are the... What are things? What are those things you're going to tell on a regular cadence at sort of a hub level? And then what's the hygiene stuff? What is the stuff everybody in your industry needs to talk about? And that product level messaging. So that's cool. So we then build out our well, we built out a lot there brand story and content strategy really in that third effing fundamental. <laughs> so in the fourth, the fourth effing the fourth fundamental. Is where, 
<laughs> yeah, this is where the rubber hits the road, right? So this is our campaign planning and execution, our fourth step. So what 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 do you say about that? How do we how do we approach? Yeah, this? well, well, certainly these, you know, so far we've been, you know, we've been creating building blocks, and and so yeah. as you say, now it's time for the rubber to hit the road, and so, you know, yeah. what are the, uh, you know, as I as you think about, you know, what you provide to the market and the the segmentation of the customers, the accounts, the personas. It's like, so what is the hierarchy of customer-centric campaigns, building on what we talked about last mm-hmm. week, customer-centric campaigns that we're going to run? Yeah. What uh, yeah. The more we understand about how the customers operate in terms of you know where they go for information, what types of information they like, now we can start to build the k- tactics that are going to deliver the mm-hmm. content that that we've been building in our content strategy, and now we're you know we're we're creating the engine, the content engine that works at different stages of the customer journey. When you're just trying to like you know get their initial interests and yes. to having them raise their hand, all the way to working with uh, you know sales or however you're closing business, and uh, you know what just communication channels we're using. One. Go ahead. Yeah, just to interrupt you without that one on the content thing, because I think this is something we need to establish between number three and number four. So number three, we're building the brand story and content strategy. Do we therefore, when you say that we need to then build out the content in the campaign planning execution kind of fundamental, are we saying we're just pulling sort of like Lego blocks from that previous step and building it together? Or, or, or is there still a sort of a content production thing going on here? Well, I think there's definitely a content production thing because, it, because I mean, you can also think about it as you're, you know, when you build, a, a fairly detailed messaging uh, and content hierarchy, then you're you're creating content that you can build into other pieces. So I know you know one of the yeah. things like we, you know what we experienced uh, back a few years ago is you know let's 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 build um, let's write a set of white papers on kind of like the key solutions, yeah. and then from those white papers we can pull information that goes into email campaigns yeah. and other things. Uh, and there's there's a number of ways of of actually approaching right. that, but but I think is when you get into the campaign mode and you say, oh, let's say you know you get into campaign mode, and you say, oh my gosh, they, our advertising isn't working. Okay, so now we need to maybe we need to switch. We need to go to more um, you know content syndication and uh, and and so now I tell you to take the content, probably put it into a slightly different package. So in that whole campaign and plan yeah. execution you are doing a lot of um, reassembling the Lego blocks. Right. So really from that, from a creative perspective, number one, two, and three are really create the brief. And then when we're at four and we're doing the campaign planning execution, that's when we're actually going to pull this stuff together. And it may be slightly a Lego model, but it also may be that we're going to be building stuff specifically for this campaign based on the brief of those previous three steps, right? Correct. It might be an erector set versus a Lego right. model. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I interrupted. I interrupted you there because you were saying about um, the other things that we need to consider. So I interrupted you. Well, well I probably so one other I think thing that saying about channels. Yeah, the other thing that's, that's worth um, mentioning is is you know how do we enable mm. um, sales and then our yes. our distribution yeah, channel yeah, because. Yeah. Because there's there's yeah. certainly content that we're going to create, and there's aspects of campaign tactics mm-hmm. that, that that are under our control. But there's a lot of things that we want to make sure we're arming those those people who are likely to be more in personal contact with the the prospects mm-hmm. and customers. And so, 
whether it's stuff they're sharing, whether it's just things that they can say, scripts, et cetera. Uh, you know, obviously knowing, I mean, a lot of what marketing tries to do is pull together references and advocates. And so Mm -hmm. having that information, not just up on the website, but something that sales can leverage is absolutely essential. So sales enablement, channel enablement is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you're thinking about comms channels, I think that we need to think about sales as a first-class comms channel, right, when you're putting Absolutely. a campaign together. So this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do here. This is what I'm going to do on social. This is what I'm going to do on paid ads. This is what I'm going to tell the salespeople. All the same, right? Cool. Yep. Okay. So, so, and one of the other things, uh, I know that we're, we've got a lot to cover in 20 minutes and we're already 18 minutes in. But <clears throat> one of the things I think we've discussed about these five is they're kind of in order, aren't they? Because in order to do one, in order to do number four, which is campaign planning, you really ought to know the first three. Absolutely. But do you, uh, but we're not advocates for, okay, stop everything. Let's do the first three. And then in six months time, we'll emerge from a darkened room. And now you can do your campaigns. No, you, it's, it's you all... kind of need to do a little bit of those three, don't you? With each, yeah. each campaign. And, and, and it's, most people start with campaigns. It's, it's kind of an, a, a bit of a natural evolution, yeah. but, it, but certainly, the first three, there are aspects of the first three that that span the year. So because they're, yes. you know, they're they're about how you are mm-hmm. helping the business succeed over multiple fiscal mm-hmm. years, and so they, yeah. you know, <clears throat> they really get developed, and then they, when you get into your planning on a quarterly or yearly basis, then it's like, okay, now I'm going to pull this information and go yeah. to market with it. Um, uh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, so absolutely, and then refresh it as you go, right? So as each absolutely. campaign runs, yeah, yeah, you can revisit. Oh, okay, and, are they really the persona needs? Well, this hasn't responded very well. Right. You can you can do that, yeah. Absolutely. And then you got to so, feed that so information the, back up. Yeah, okay. So then we get to the fifth one, which is nice and timely, which is uh, which we consider to be marketing operations and enablement. Our fifth effing marketing <laughs> fundamental, right? So, Love the alliteration. And I know that you you. <laughs> Yeah, you've had a lot of experience in this, and also we've had a couple of guests on the show talk about marketing ops. Yeah. Why? Why is this important, and what is it? That well, we need to do? you know, uh, making executing a good plan, or, or, or maybe even a bad plan, is all about the people, process, <laughs> data, and technology, and that's that's marketing yeah. operations in a nutshell. I mean, market you know, more typically, marketing operations is about data and technology. Process is really important, mm-hmm. and and I, certainly one of the things we used to advocate uh, at Forrester and Serious Decisions was that you know people, at least in terms of understanding what are the skills I have and doing skills gap analysis, mm-hmm. is is a role that marketing operations can can play. You know, so you know, do we have the right skills? Let's do a gap analysis. Do we have the right processes in place? Yeah. Can they be optimized so we could do a shared service gap analysis? Do we have the right technology? Mm-hmm. Let's do a tech assessment. You know, do we have yeah. um, what we need to be data driven so that we can use <laughs> insights? And yeah. and so, yeah. you know, in terms of ensuring those things that are in place, marketing ops plays a uh, you know a huge role. Mm. Mm. Yeah, we've discussed that a few times, and also I think um, I think un- under a lot of these things, I think when you put a model like this together, it can be intimidating when you say you need to do these five ethnic marketing fundamentals, but you can do small amounts of them, can't you, as you go? And I think. It's the same with marketing operations. It's never done, is it? You're always optimizing these things. You're always reviewing your tools and all that kind of stuff. So there are some big projects we need to do here, like skills, like skills gap analysis or technology audits. But primarily, you're 
you're trying to just improve the machine, aren't you, with it, this stuff? Absolutely. It's all yeah. about optimizing yeah, the strategy. You know, the first first three yeah. of the fundamentals are really, uh, you know, about strategy or strategy and planning. Yeah. And and four yeah. and five are about executing it, and five is about optimizing it. You know, you, you've you've got to make sure right. you, you're operationalizing yeah. a good strategy. All right. So um, I'll cover those again. And if any of the listeners, it'd be great to hear from you um, if you're listening to this and you've got some thoughts about what these five should be. Our five are business objectives and outcome, research and insights, brand and story, campaign planning, execution, marketing operations and enablement. They're our five effing marketing fundamentals. And, and it, we'll it, debate anybody that would like to disagree. And if somebody adds a sixth, then they have to come up with an alliteration because we've got five FN yeah, fundamentals. So it's yeah, like, I don't know what six would be. They're not welcome. They're not welcome <laughs> on the show, man. We do, we do five effing things. We always do five effing things. All right. And the next thing on the agenda, talking about doing effing things, what's, what song are we choosing this week? We're going to, uh, we're going to choose a song from Brooklyn Funk Essentials from 1994. It's too bad they're not Ooh. Brooklyn Funk Fundamentals, but they have a, yeah. a great tune, which <laughs> I, I just I, I love listening to, called The Creator Has a Master Plan. So this is kind of part of putting your master plan together as a marketer. Yeah. No, I love this. I love this tune as well. It's from 1994, and I will gladly play out with The Creator Has a Master Plan by Brooklyn Funk Essentials. And... Will I, will I be welcome? Will I see you in the studio? Yes. <laughs> Come on back. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, all right. We'll, we'll dig into some of these uh, essentials. Uh, these, they're not essentials. They're fundamentals. Uh, we'll dig into these fundamentals. Essentially, yes. I look forward to it, mate. I'll see you then. See ya. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Bye. No, this is the sound of jazz roots and rhythm and blues that you just can't Jeff, and that was The Creator Has a Master Plan by the Brooklyn Funk Essentials from 1994. Now, that is a tune. And as I mentioned, I shared those five effing marketing fundamentals in our newsletter, which you can find on our website, rockstarcmo.com. Right, time to go backstage with my guest. Shamir Dufuso is the Managing Director, Chief Strategist and Co-Founder of Smart Panda Labs, a digital experience agency that helps B2C enterprise marketers navigate digital transformation to create the experiences their customers demand. Prior to Smart Panda Labs, Shamir was the Senior Director of Digital Strategy and Services for Marriott International's Vacation Club division. And over his last 20 years in marketing, he's held various marketing leadership roles, including everything from product management to digital strategy across several industries, from travel to entertainment to technology, with brands like Southwest Airlines, The Walt Disney Company and NBC Universal. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi, Shamil. Welcome to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? Good. How are you, Ian? I'm doing good, aside from, as you can hear, a slight problem with my voice, which uh, holds me back as a podcast host a little bit. But yeah, I'm, I'm croaking my way through. Um, so, uh, Shamir, we've only just recently met. For the folks that haven't met you before, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I'm co-founder and managing director for Smart Panda Labs, uh, which is mm-hmm. a digital experience agency. Um, 
help companies, particularly those companies that are in the early stages of digital transformation, figure out how to build that right foundation and framework to, to really move themselves forward and mature digitally. So really helping enterprise companies figure out where those gaps are between marketing and IT and product, and then fill those gaps so they can really um, start to advance. Right, that's cool. So mostly focused then on digital transformation. And you said enterprise clients. Is that the kind of clients you tend to deal with larger organizations? It is. Um, probably yeah. large, mid-range, um, small enterprise clients, so $100 million mm-hmm. to a billion in revenue approximately. We go a little lower, a little higher, depending on the need. But that's, that's yeah. the kind of sweet spot, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And what's the, pri- the primary challenge for them is connecting everything together. I mean, we'll talk about digital transformation in a minute, but your clients tend to come to you because they've identified that problem of connecting the teams. Is that, is that generally how it is? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, it's really an issue of there are these, these things they know they should be doing. I know things is a very, mm-hmm. te- te- very technical term. Um, yes. <laughs> there are these things they <laughs> you know found they should be out doing. That- <laughs> you found our level already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so things they should be doing, and they've right. identified that need, and they come to you. Exactly. Um, so, all right, so as I usually do on the show with my interviews, I want to I focus a little bit on you. And, and you've had a fantastic career. I mean, uh, the brands you've worked with, Marriott, Walt Disney, and NBC, I mean, we've spent some time in the US, me and my family, and I think you've nailed like the three top ones there of, <laughs> of some of the brands my family love, particularly we spent a lot of time in Marriott's. Um, what inspired you to choose the marketing career if we wind right back to the beginning? Uh, you know, I was, it was one of those times where you're, you're kind of, you're out of college and you're kind of looking for, for what you want to do and, you know, what you want to grow up to be. And, um, one of the brands that just always, uh, was when that stood out to me was Southwest Airlines. Yeah. Um, so I saw a job posted back then it was what was called the paper. Um, <laughs> it was a job posted for, uh, an associate product manager for Southwest mm-hmm. Airlines. Uh, and it was for their vacation packages. Uh, so I took a look, I looked at the description. I was like, this looks really cool. Like you get to, you know, kind of work in finance, you get to work in marketing and operations. Like, you know, this is, mm-hmm. these are all things that really fascinate me that I love. Um, so I, I applied for the job and I got it. And no sooner than I was there, I, I absolutely fell in love with it. I fell in love with product marketing. I fell in love with, you know, the, kind of the four P's of marketing and, and, and managing yeah. those promotions and price and product and placement. Um, yeah. And then from there, uh, I was fortunate in that I started at a time where the internet was really starting to become this big thing before mm-hmm. it was kind of this, this cute thing off to the side that, you know, kind yeah. of some people did. Um, but I was at a time in the early 2000s where it was really starting to take off and it was becoming a much more central thing that people needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started working a little bit on the content technology side on, at Southwest and then kind of moved on to NBC Universal. Um, started working more diligently on the what was then interactive side of things, and and from there just kind of it kind of took off in digital marketing. Yeah, yes, yeah. that's I mean that's another great brand, isn't it? Southwest Airlines always mm-hmm. got a great reputation as an airline in the US. And so what 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 a CV? Southwest Airlines, NBC, Walt Disney, and, and Marriott. Um, and it, what's that? What attracted you was that was it that technical side then of of getting things integrated and working together then. It, you know what it was? It was it was the overlap. It was like the blend, mm. right? It was like the blend yeah. between the art and the science, right? So yeah. kind of that, that right, right brain, left brain thing. And I, and I love yeah. kind of playing in that space between where the two things have to yeah. be aligned. Um, yeah. And working on the internet directly lends itself to that, right? It's all yeah. about that space in between. Um, yeah. So that's what I really was drawn to. That's what I loved. That's what I found that I, I ended up being you know pretty good at. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just, that's been the foundation of my career is just being able to understand enough of the technical you know, not mm-hmm. to get myself in trouble, but to communicate yeah. effectively, 
but then to yeah. understand that you know the art of of marketing and, and what you're trying to do and how you're trying to tell a story and, and those kinds of things so yeah, I, think, I talk to a lot of people who are drawn to marketing for that same reason, right? Mm-hmm. The, that left brain, right brain thing. Yeah. But I think also these days, isn't it? Marketing's become much broader church and people can specialise. So you, we've yeah. got our data geeks, we've got our creatives, right? Yeah. But I think you're, most people are attracted to, to uh, the share of both, don't they? I so if, if we move, move forward a little bit, we talked there about digital transformation. And I mean, I've been around a bit. <laughs> so, and, and we've been talking about digital transformation for, oh God, for as long as I can remember, at least the last decade. And I fear that that term has lost a little bit of its edge. It's, it's become a little bit business speak. We seem to have lost the meaning of it. What's your definition of digital transformation? I mean, it's a real thing, right? And, and why should we care about it? And why is it still important? Yeah, I mean, at its core, every business should want to create a digital customer experience mm-hmm. that is really focused on saying, how do we customer deliver to you the information you need in order to make an informed decision? And of mm-hmm. course, that informed decision is doing business with us, right? And, and maintaining right. that, right? Building that relationship yeah. with us. Um, yeah. And because of the world that we live in, so much of that is done digitally. It's done with a website, it's done via an app, via an email, via SMS, via an ad. Digital transformation is giving your organization the capability to be able to deliver that digital customer experience and to be able to enhance it as the customer changes, to personalize Mm -hmm. it for customers, um, a a truly iterative process. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times when you talk about digital transformation, people talk about IT and technology and, Mm -hmm. and those things are all parts of it. But ultimately it's saying, how do we transform our business into a place where we can deliver the right kind of experience and we can constantly measure and improve that experience. Um, right. And especially for enterprise companies, it requires a transformation because that's, that's not how they were built, right? Mm-hmm. That's not how they mm-hmm. were established. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, they, yeah. they have all these old, often proprietary systems, um, yeah. you know, maybe built for one particular purpose, for one particular company. They can't integrate with anything. They can't talk to anything. It's hard to change. It's yeah. two guys in a garage in Siberia, and they're the only ones who know how to work it and how to fix it because they're the ones who built it yeah. back in 1972, right? And it's like, and it's like we can't move forward unless we get off yeah. of that and onto something modern, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's that transformation process to say, what are we trying to do? What are we trying to be? And then mm-hmm. what do we need to do to get there? And let's transform it and make that happen. Right. So when you're, I mean, I didn't, uh, your clients, they tend to be B2B, B2C, or just any kind of large, largest organization that has its challenge. Uh, we've done both, but they tend to be B2C. Yeah. We, do, we do a lot of work with yeah, B2C clients, yeah. yeah. So, but when, when, and I like what you've mentioned there in terms of digital transformation, because you're talking about their people and process and technology. Yeah. Where do you find the biggest gap? Where's the, if I was to say low hanging fruit, I know it's a hackneyed expression, but when you first start working with a client, where are those quick wins? Is it in the technology or is it in the people and process stuff? Where do you find yourself starting? It's in the people. Um, mm. it's just, and it's not, and that's not a knock against because we've worked with some great, very, very smart people. Um, yeah. It's just having knowledge gaps of kind yeah. of saying, I, I know what I want to do, but I, I don't know how to get yeah. there. Um, and the way I like to illustrate it is, it's like as a marketer, you come and you you draw a beautiful picture of a, of a beautiful house. You know, this just yeah. this great house. And then you go you go to IT and say, hey, IT, you know, build this based <laughs> on this picture. Yeah. And it's just like what you've envisioned makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. But there's so many steps and things that need to happen before IT, the contractor, can take that and say, okay, I can build this, right? There's yeah, that yeah. whole architectural piece that needs to happen in between that says, I need to break this down into a blueprint 
that now a contractor can understand and say, okay, I know what to build. I understand the specs of what, what's needed here. There's just so much interpretation between the picture and, Mm -hmm. you know, what ends up getting built. And that gray area, that gap is, I find, where most of the pain usually is. Um, And that comes down to people. It's just people not having the expertise, whether it's internal resources, having the right agency partners, whatever combination of that. It's just that gap. Yeah. I also find with something like that, I mean, my experience is with marketing technology primarily, right, rather Mm -hmm. than across the whole organization, although in a former life I was in supply chain. So again, you know, Mm -hmm. connected systems throughout the business. I also find that we think that we're going to buy a solution that's going to solve something, but we don't spend enough time on what you just discussed, which is is drawing that house mm-hmm. and doing the architect. Because drawing the house is fine, but you need to know where the pipe work's going to go and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Is is that the challenge that you see? That the, the we, I mean, I can only speak for marketers. That we as marketers go, oh, shiny thing, well, let's have that. Yeah. That'll solve this problem. Mm-hmm. We haven't really thought about our requirements, what it's actually going to do. And that's one hundred percent where it is. And yeah, I mean, there's yeah. there's there's some places to fill the gap um you know it yeah. will give you the business analyst right and that person will say yeah. hey I'm, I'm gonna work with you and document these requirements but yeah. that still requires kind of what we talked about earlier it still requires yeah. some technical knowledge on the marketing side to be able mm-hmm. to effectively communicate with it and yeah. say okay this this is how that translates into these into these proper requirements because right now yeah. marketing is speaking spanish and it speaking sanskrit <laughs> and they're just not you know they're not they're not communicating with each other and and you've, you've probably seen it i mean you see mm. hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes millions of dollars spent with nothing to mm. show for it because there weren't good requirements to dictate what needs to be built and how it needs to work absolutely absolutely or, an, or another silo appears in the business right mm-hmm. because a particular project got the green light but they didn't think about the integration or any of that kind of stuff so you've you've built a beautiful white elephant or something in, in the, inside the business um so so but and, and also we're awash with technology right i think one of the thing, accusations of marketing and i know that i'm focusing on marketing and you probably take a more holistic view across the business when it comes to digital transformation but we've got no shortage of technology do we not, no, not at all. And, and I mean, yeah. your focus is right because, I mean, we, we, we combat digital transformation very much from a marketer standpoint because right, our goal right, is right. to help marketers, right, navigate that. And to your yeah. point, you know, talking about good marketers, um, yeah. you know, SaaS companies do a great job at making you think that if you buy their tool, all yeah. you have to do is push a button <laughs> and all your problems will magically be solved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah for nine ninety nine a month. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I yeah. think that that comes down to a, a big challenge of there's all these tools and they give all these yeah. grandiose promises. And don't get yeah. me wrong, those tools can deliver, but the amount yeah. of thought, strategy, planning, configuration, um, integration yeah. that goes into making those tools do the things that they demo, yeah. that those are the things that marketers don't quickly understand and grasp. So is that part, I mean, we're now sort of diving into technology a little bit, but is that part mm-hmm. of your process to audit the technology that a customer has and then and sort of figure out well look you've got all this capability already we don't need to buy anything else or maybe we do but it isn't that you know what i mean yeah no, yeah 100 yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean our our, yeah. our big goal is really to be actionable right we're, we're trying to help them use it right so if it's yeah, yeah. if it's mark if it's marketing automation and they have a great platform but all they're doing yeah. is sending out a weekly newsletter it's like hey let's mm. let's get more out of this right yeah. um yeah. if it's a personalization tool or, or a b mm. testing it's like hey let's Let's get beyond button colors and let's start to do things mm. that are really testing and enhancing the user experience. Mm. So it's really about saying, how do we create an experimentation program? How do we create a marketing automation mm. programs? And then how do we measure and optimize and keep driving those things forward and not getting right. caught in the trap of set it and forget it, 
which is another yeah. you know a, a big a big marketing oh, yeah. track that we yeah. can go into. So. Uh, I mean, that's the marketing automation thing, is it? And then and then. Mm-hmm you don't realize the experience you're giving your customers because there's this little engine that's it's emailing them every day. Um, But I think that's also interesting, your approach, because I've heard two approaches to taking a technology audit. And one of those things is it's a way of finding cost savings. So if you're only sending a newsletter and you own one of the bigger marketing automation tools, well, get rid of the big marketing automation tools and get something that does a newsletter. But it sounds to me like it's more of a positive way that you're looking at it, which is you've got this big marketing automation tool, use it. Is yeah. that is that more your approach? Yeah, yeah, very much yeah. so. And I mean, that approach is founded on saying before we even talk about technology, you know, what yeah. are your key what are your key business objectives? Yeah. What are you trying to do? Yeah. Okay, based on that, here are the tactics you need to drive that, and then let's yeah. make sure you have technology in place and you're maximizing it to use those tactics. Because yeah. to your point, yeah. if if all you need to do is a newsletter, then mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's we don't we don't need yeah, this yeah. behemoth of a tool. Let's do something simpler. But yeah. again, if we're talking about an enterprise company, more times mm-hmm. than not you need to be doing more than that, right? If you yeah. really want to build lifetime value with your customer, build that relationship, there's more that goes into that. So let's maximize this tool that you've already invested in. Yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. And, and so clearly digital transformation is a thing. We need to, mm-hmm. there's me using those technical terms again, like you did. It's a thing. <laughs> um, uh, but also I've seen, um, looking at your work, you've also talked about digital transformation in the context of the customer experience. Yeah. And recently here on the podcast, we've been talking about marketer's role the cmo's role in owning the customer experience and to be the champion of the customer is that the approach you take as well do you agree with that kind of uh, idea uh, we do for the most part i mean mm-hmm. you know, obviously everyone plays a role in the customer because it matters to, yeah. to everyone it matters to the cto the cio the ceo yeah. i mean everyone's um paycheck comes from the customer when all is said and done yeah. but the cmo you know their their primary job is to tell a story right the story that is you know the, the company the product and services and to find people with whom that story resonates to have them become customers, you know, that have value to the, to the organization, right? Mm-hmm. So if that's what you're doing, then the primary component of that is the experience you're delivering that customer. Um, yeah. That's what's going to convince them to come back. That's what's going to convince them to spend money, right? Mm-hmm. How many times have we bailed on a website or even just don't go to a store because we don't yeah. like the experience there, right? Yes. So yeah, yeah. without that experience, there's no way for the story, the brand to resonate and for you to build mm-hmm. any kind of relationship. And ultimately, that's what a CMO does. You're, you're telling the story, you're telling the story to the right people so that you can build that relationship um, with that customer. You're kind of um, delivering the promise that customer experience is marketing, aren't you? I mean, sorry, you're making the promise of the customer experience to the customer. Mm-hmm. And then it's up to the rest of the business to keep the promise, as it were. So you need to be yeah. sort of kept up in that. So when you go, when you're talking to clients then, and you're talking about digital transformation, talk about the customer experience, who do you see as the primary owner then of that? Are you seeing like chief customer officers in that kind of role? Are you working with somebody who centrally owns this then? Most times not. Um, we are finding oh, yeah. some organizations are, are starting to create those roles. Um, mm-hmm. There's one client we have, they have a VP of digital customer experience. That, that's, right. you know, that's actually his title. Yeah. So we are starting to find that those roles are starting to be created where someone's kind of controlling that experience. Mm-hmm. The problem is, and this is, has always been the case and will always be the case with marketing, um, how someone interprets what that person should do will mm-hmm. differ <laughs> tremendously as you go yeah, from organization. Yeah. So that the title yeah. itself doesn't necessarily tell you a whole lot because it's like, well, yeah. what does your organization interpret your job description to be versus yeah. organization yeah, C yeah. and organization D over here? Yeah. Uh, but but we are finding a greater focus on that. But like, who owns mm-hmm. it? Like, we found no consistency whatsoever because yeah. it, it just kind of depends how the organization defines it, yeah. how they 
how they play that out. They put that into marketing. They put it under IT. They put it under operations. It, it's usually under one of those three buckets. Um, mm. And it's hard because ultimately it, it's a combination of those three buckets, right? It's, it's I mean, nice. all those three buckets have to be in alignment, which is why, I mean, ideally you probably have it has its own department mm. that works with those three to bring those mm-hmm. things into alignment. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of organizations aren't kind of that progressive yet. So it's really kind of saying, okay, yeah, which, yeah. which bucket are we going to throw this into? And then whichever one it is, they'll have to work with the other two. Yeah, I think the conversation, the most recent conversation I had on the podcast about this was, I think it was more of a call to arms. Look, somebody needs to claim, you know, being the champion of the customer and why not you, CMO? You know what I mean? Somebody needs to grasp this thing and and deal with it rather than maybe it's the right thing to do. It's just, you know, like you say, it it does sit across the whole organization, doesn't it? So is that something you sometimes need to deal with 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 your clients is organizational change and making those kinds of recommendations? Yeah, to a degree. I mean, we're not, mm-hmm. um, you know, a consultancy to that level that we kind of get into, right. you know, the nitty gritty of kind of the structure of the organization. Right. But right. certainly as we're trying to get things done, right, as we're trying to identify those tactics and say, okay, what do we need to do to implement them? Often yeah. one of the roadblocks that we say, hey, this is something we're going to need to deal with. Uh, if mm-hmm. you really want to move forward with this is like, yeah. who owns this? Who's the point person here that can help yeah. make these things happen so that we can actually execute um, these campaigns or execute these programs to actually get things moving for you. Right, right. And I just realized, because um, we've been talking about your company, Smart Panda Labs, I- I've missed a trick here with the question, how did the name Smart Panda Labs come about? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wish we had a, a really, really good like, story about that, like something that yeah. can, like, you know, like, let's, let's, like, let's, let's get a drink. And let me, let me tell you about the story of how this name came up. There, yeah, there's yeah. no such story. It's, it's, right. it, was a name, uh, it was a name that came up with someone who was um, an original co-founder of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you knew the guy and you knew how his brain worked, you'd, you'd understand like, where the name <laughs> came from. Uh, but, you know, it's, so, it's, please go ahead. What are, what are those great founder stories where they just come up? I, I mean, I worked uh, with, in an agency um, with a founder and he had this very strict rule about how the name was going to come about. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up getting inspired by the name of the tea that they sell in Starbucks because the company was called Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> You just never know, do you? Nope. So, all right, so I'm looking at the time. Let's get to the final question. So uh, we have a regular feature, the Rockstar CMO Swim Pool, our portal to marketing hell, where we throw all the bullshit, snake oil, and overhyped trends that plague this industry we love. What would you chuck into our pool? You know, for me, um, and this is funny because this kind of relates back to what we talked about with the CMO yeah. taking on the role yeah. of only the customer. I think traditionally um, marketing has become, basically, you might as well just say advertising. Like yeah. you guys are responsible for advertising and yeah. that drives me nuts because mm-hmm. when you think about it, people spend seconds interacting with an ad, right? Yeah. The, the vast majority of your time happens after the click. It happens when you get to the website. It happens when you get yeah. to the app. It happens as you're trying to make a decision, as you go through the conversion funnel, as you're getting communications, like that's where all the time is spent, but all the money is spent on advertising. Like, everyone loves throwing money at advertising. Oh, we're not doing right. very well. Oh, we need to kick up the advertising. Like, advertising yeah. is a solution to every marketing problem. And it makes yeah. no sense to me whatsoever because, to me, the meat of it is really on the, the user experience side, the relationship right. building side, the communication side. Right. So if I'm going to throw anything in there, it's going to be this <laughs> myth that, like, advertising <laughs> is the end-all, be-all. And, I mean, the Googles and Metas and so forth of the world have done a great job perpetuating that myth because that's how they yes. make money. So, yeah. you know kudos to them for doing that but it's yeah. a lie it's it's a myth and while it's important it is not by mm. any stretch to end on be all you'll get much 
much better return on your investments, much better cost savings yeah. by focusing on what happens after the click than putting so much weight before the click. I love that. Uh, yes, I mean, and it's perfect. It's perfect candidate. Throwing advertising into Apple is perfect. I had somebody the other day just throw the whole of marketing into the pool. So, yeah, so there we go. So um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Shamir. Where, but when people spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you? Uh, well, they can certainly visit us on our site at smartpandalabs.com. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can just check me out on LinkedIn. Um, I probably guarantee I will be the only Shamir Duverso on LinkedIn. So I shouldn't <laughs> yeah. be too hard to find. Um, you yeah. can see a little bit about what I think. You can love it. You can hate it. Um, yeah. But please, you know, come and, and check it out. Uh, yes, and I'll include all the links in the show notes. And I recommend, actually, people come by and, and follow what you talk about. It's really interesting. So it's fantastic. Thank you very much, Shamir. And... Um, And thanks for your time. Have a great weekend, and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you, too, Ian. Cheers, buddy. Bye-bye. Thank you, Shamir. Digital transformation is still a hot topic for brands, and the myth of advertising being the answer to everything marketing is a great nomination for the pool. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Right, it's time to wind down the week in the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar with my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, chief troublemaker at the Content Advisory for a cocktail and a marketing thought. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello. I'm, wow. You have really transformed this bar. Um, It looks like you've opened a Turkish market, I guess it is here. It's, uh, I mean, the music and the loud vendors negotiating and just, it's crazy. I haven't haven't seen a market like this since I was um, literally in Turkey not, not that long ago. Um, it feels longer than ago than it was actually, but wow, this is, I yes. mean, I'm so impressed. We should get some good Turkish food, some mm. Turkish coffee. It's yeah. just fantastic. I, 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 well, I love what you've done with the place. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, I thought after last week and our celebra- our very low key celebration of the 150th episode. Yeah. You got to monetize in different ways. I'm guessing. Yeah. 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 We just went all out this week. Just went all out this week. And um, I think this might be here to stay, but we'll see. You know what you're like. Who knows where we're going to be in two weeks' time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's, you never know. You just no, I don't never know. know. I never um, know. No, to, to celebrate this, uh, this wonderful mm-hmm. multi-use space that you've, that you've created here, um, yes. we have a, a lovely drink. Um, we, last week for the special episode, of course, we had mm-hmm. uh, a lovely bourbon drink and we have another whiskey drink to celebrate Ooh. this, uh, this week as well. Uh, Boulevardier, uh, which sounds French. And of course, uh, I, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure I butchered the French alongside that, but yeah. it's really the whiskey lovers version of a Negroni. Um, oh. and it's a pretty simple drink actually. Um, if you like Negroni, you'll like this. Um, well, assuming you like whiskey. Um, and it mm-hmm. is uh, very three simple ingredients, bourbon, a little yes. Campari, and a little sweet vermouth. And so you can see where there it sort of uh, uh, lines up with the Negroni. Um, mm-hmm. And it just it, very common things to have in your bar. I'm sure you've got mm. them, the both Campari, yes. the sweet vermouth, and the bourbon. Of course, you've got mm-hmm. all of that. Um, yes. But unlike gin and a Negroni, which really provides this wonderful yes. uh, sort of nose to a, a, a the, the bourbon mm-hmm. really adds this layer of sweetness, right? You get a real sweetness yeah. with this drink. 
Um, it's a very cozy drink. And I thought, given the, given the time of year, we wanted something cozy. Yes. And of course, now that you've, you know, created this wonderful Turkish, uh, <laughs> you can pull up a hookah, uh, and uh, smoke a little bit and enjoy these drinks yes. uh, here in the marketplace. Yeah. That sounds splendid. Yes. I, um, uh, I kind of messed this up last week, but I, uh, as you know, I will attempt to make that drink using only the ingredients of my desktop bar. Um, and um, yes, you're quite right. Those ingredients that you've got there are quite simple ingredients, only they're too complicated for me. So I have, I have some gin. Oh, hang on, ice. I've got to put some ice in that first, haven't I? So I shall. Um, then the most, um, the most English. Oh, I should say Scottish. Of of uh, of whiskies, Hendrix gin, and then you what did and then you added Campari. I think we've Campari think we've agreed yeah. in the past. Yeah, I think we've agreed in the past that um, that those lovely folks at uh, Fever Tree um, do make a lovely um, tonic water that is very similar to ah. Campari in, in probably in that it yes. is liquid, as you say. Yes, they um, are both liquids. They, that is for sure. Yes, and and they put. They put some lovely cucumber in that, which is the English version of whatever else you put in your drink. Mm. So I'm going to give this a sip. Mm. That is delicious, Robert. And what are we calling that? A boulevardier is what that's called. A boulevardier. How fancy. I could sip one of these boulevardiers every week. (laughs) Very fancy. Mm. Very fancy. Very it's fancy. almost as fancy as a gin and tonic, but not quite. No, I drink gin and tonics every week. Only for commoners. I'm drinking Boulevardiers from now on. <laughs> there you go. And uh, where are we going to be drinking these, Mr. Rose? Well, I think we have to celebrate where you've what you've done with this place and and make our way mm-hmm. to Istanbul, um, where we might find oh, there's nice. there's there's a wonderful uh, there's I. I'm going back to my trip to Istanbul and there was a yes. wonderful restaurant bar restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, it was just this amazing place to sit, uh, mm-hmm. in Istanbul, uh, on the European side, of course. Um, yeah. and, uh, just uh, this wonderful, it was right near the, um, one of the big mosques, the blue mosque, right. if you know that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just an absolutely spectacular view, uh, on the rooftop of this uh, wow. this wonderful place, yes, and uh, I think that's where we can sit um, oh. and uh, and enjoy this and 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 have a chat, watch the sunset over the Bosphorus, and uh, and and have a lovely, wonderful discussion. Oh man, that sounds so cool! And um, and who doesn't like a rooftop bar, especially in Istanbul? That's fantastic. Oh, I, right. Yeah, I've I've been to Istanbul. Uh, once, but I, by the sounds of things, I need to go again. So, um, when um, obviously there's going to be an awful lot to talk about in Istanbul, but conversation with us tends to turn to marketing. What is it we're talking about this week? Well, mm. we are going to talk a little bit about the most exciting of things, uh, which of course is first party data. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this evening has taken you a know, turn. <laughs> It's so it's it's so geeky and nerdy, yes. but yes, it's it's something that we need to talk about mm-hmm. it, because we we need to set a bit of an alarm uh, on ourselves. Yes. Um, and and the reason why uh, mm-hmm. is that it, data right now, first party data in particular, we're not very good at it, mm-hmm. um, and 
we need to get better at it for sure. Um, and it is quickly becoming, as I've have very much discovered, marketers in general have seeded the world of first party data as a legal or technology problem. Uh, and it is neither of those things. Right. Um, and if we look at it as either a legal or technology problem, we are not going to solve it. And it may be the biggest opportunity for us to have any kind of growth mm -hmm. in 2023. So it's a, it's, it's a discussion that needs to be had mm -hmm. for sure. And the interesting thing is when you look at first party data, you know, who's not failing with first party data and that is media companies. Right. Um, but I'll come back to that in just a second here, but it, it's, so we're, we're coming on now five years mm -hmm. since the EU's GDPR yeah, well, privacy yeah. legislation. Yeah. Um, we are coming up on three years um, since Google announced and, and has subsequently, of course, <laughs> punted many times uh, the death of the third party mm -hmm. cookie. It's now currently set to die in mm -hmm. sometime next year. Mm -hmm. um, but let's be really honest that most marketers don't know what either of those things mean, mm -hmm. right? GDPR qualifications or ramifications or implications or the third party cookie going away mm -hmm. because we're just sort of we have a bit of blinders on right now for, for most businesses. Um, when it comes to first party data, we tend to say, ah, it's all about getting somebody's name and email address and title or name and email address, or in some ways being able to grab their social media handle mm -hmm. or in some way identify them. Right. Mm -hmm. And the, it is so much more than that, obviously, with regard to first party data, capturing behavior, capturing preferences, capturing, things that we want to capture as marketers to give them theoretically more value mm -hmm. and that will definitely come back to but you know we, we we look at it and we what we've done with our data strategy as marketers um, when it comes to personally identifiable data or cookies is around 2019 maybe in 2020 maybe even in 2021 we said ah i know what we'll do we'll just throw up a big old pop-up on the front page of the website <laughs> that says we're going to track your you know we're going to track your behavior yeah. and you know the conversation goes a little like this so the marketing team meets with the they you know set up this big meeting with legal and mm -hmm. the technology people and they set around this big table and marketing goes hey we need to comply with this whole first party data acquisition and cookie yeah. notice thing. And yeah. legal goes, all right, okay, well, we'll look into it. Can you identify all the places where we're storing customer data right now? Yeah. Marketing then looks around at the technology people and goes, uh, no, are you kidding me? We don't even have logins for most of the systems <laughs> that we're using to track all this data. And legal looks around and goes, well, what about all these cookies that we're setting for tracking and analytics yeah. and web measurement and all that kind of stuff? And marketing, again, looks over at the tech team and goes, yeah, what's up with all that? <laughs> and the tech team goes, well, we could tell you, but it's going to take a lot of time to tell you about all of that. So legal goes, okay, fine. Let's just settle this. Yeah. What we'll do is we'll put up a big old legal pop-up yeah. that says we track you yeah. and you don't have any choice about that. Yeah. And if you want to use this site, you're going to get tracked. And then basically if they don't, they, they'll, they'll click a no button. And if they want to get access to their data, like they want us to send them all the data that we have on them, they got to basically type up a big pink yeah. nose card and then we'll put it into the post office box and they have to snail mail it to us mm. and we'll make it really hard. Yeah. And marketing goes, well, okay, but what if they don't accept? Can we not track them? And the technology people then pipe on and go, well, we could do that, <laughs> but that will take a lot of time. And so legal goes, don't worry. We're going to set it up and we'll word it so that it's really scary. Really, um, basically, doesn't matter what they yeah. do, we'll be covered yeah. legally. And everybody goes, great, great meeting. Let's get some pizza. Yeah. And let's go. 
And that's kind of where yeah. we are today. And so even though when we look at this data acquisition thing, the media companies, and this is what I mentioned in the mm -hmm. beginning, can show us this, that by the way, media companies have started to really figure this out. You know, Vox Media over the last year has developed a completely centralized view of all of its audiences across every publication it has. Wow. New York Magazine and yeah. Vulture and The Strategist and Grub Street and all this stuff. Yeah. They have a completely centralized view of all those audiences and the attributes they each have, which they're subscribed to. And they're using that to drive personalized experiences, do newsletters, websites. New York Times recently has a whole first party analytics solution where they're serving up personal advertising, but they're not using any third-party cookies mm -hmm. at all. And then there's uh, even a company, Trusted Media Brands, which makes uh, a publication called The Reader's yeah. Digest, which maybe some of your audience might be familiar with. Um, but they've built an entire first-party analytics solution where they can look at the personas by how they're actually consuming content and give a lot of really valuable insight to their advertisers. So it's not that it can't be done. And by the way... If you assume for a moment that media companies have bigger <laughs> budgets than brands, yeah. you can think again yeah. because they don't. They don't have any bigger budgets. You just have a willingness and an opportunity. Why? Because it's an existential yeah. threat for them. If they don't solve this, they know yeah, they're yeah. dead in the water. And as marketers, we need to take yeah. that same level of priority. It's about trust. It's about leaning into first-party yeah. data acquisition. It's not about being scared of it or making it a legal issue or making it a technology yeah. issue. We have to be able to do that, connect our experiences all together so that I don't have to sign up for your blog and then sign up again for your resource center and then sign up again as a customer and then <laughs> sign up again over yeah. on this silo or asking me what you really want to know instead of, do you really yeah. need my name? Do you yeah. really need my email address? Or do you really just want to know what my intent is yeah. if I'm a buyer or looking for a job yeah. or something like that? All of those, it just means a much more thoughtful, creative design challenge to first-party data acquisition. And we better lean into it quick because the opportunity will turn into a, uh, yeah, a, yeah. a threat yeah. in very, very yeah. short order. Yeah. Here. No, I, I think that's a wonderful thought. And I think, I think um, you know, your scenario, whilst funny and kind of um, exaggerated slightly, is exactly what has happened. And it is, you know, we, we, we're we're mourning the loss of something and mitigating the loss of something and figuring out ways around it rather than embracing what's next isn't it and that's what you're saying isn't it we have to embrace first party data and we have to get better at, at attracting people to, sh to share their information with us in a in a transparent way yeah yeah it, you it, it's 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 yeah. literally leaning into this as a strength, exactly. not as a weakness. And and the, the the problem that I notice for most organizations are, you know, by the way, this is not because we haven't, like, it's not like we've stuck our hand in this head in the sand. Most marketers, it's interesting, most marketers I find have tried to cleverly come up with alternative ways of trying mm -hmm. to get something done right because they the tackling the whole problem seems so yeah. untenable that they often sort of just push that aside and say that's not it's funny it's it the the analogy i use yeah. is it's like gilligan's island it's like all marketers are now yeah, the professor yeah. on gilligan's island right 
we have the ingenuity and innovation to build a <laughs> Geiger counter or a uh, you know truth yeah. li a lie detector or um, some sort of you know electric band mm -hmm. uh, you know equipment with <laughs> coconuts and yeah. twine and 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 all of that, but you can't yeah, build a yeah. boat, right? And and so we've all become the professor on Gilligan's Island where we're able to innovate all this cool stuff, but yeah, you just can't yeah, build a boat yeah. to get off the island. And it's, it's this, yeah. that's the real key is, is yeah. we have to decide to build a boat because yeah. that's the task. And it's this idea of how do you start to yeah. pull all these things together? Because it means working with other silos in the business. It means yeah. pulling in technology. It means doing so in an optimal way. It means probably learning about a lot mm -hmm. of things that we need to learn about. And it just means taking the time and the investment to do that. And that's what media companies have done because they saw it as an existential threat. And because businesses, marketing departments don't see this as an existential threat, they sort of said, eh, it's a technology problem or a legal problem. And, oh, I can't solve it. And that's what has to change. Yeah, no, I love it. I, I remember, I mean, it's a, it's a similar topic. I remember when I was the CMO of a German software company. And they were GDPR before GDPR was invented, right? And they had a very clean database, double opt-in. And that, and you initially you're like, oh my God, we have to do double opt-in and all that kind of stuff when you're not used to it. But then when you look at the response rates, the engagement in with that data, the cleanness of the, you just think this is great, you know, and it's the same, it's the same with you know, all of this stuff, isn't it? If you do things nice, if you do things well and you get good quality data and you get good quality first party data that people have willingly opted into, you've got an audience that's of value then, haven't you? Well, that's right. That's, and, and there's so many, yeah. I mean, and, and we've talked about it on this show and I've written about it and, and all yeah. of that, but it was, yeah. uh, the interesting thing is, is that there, the challenge of the untenable part or the overwhelming part about, uh, this is not an existential yeah. threat to us. So uh, do we really yeah. want to put that much investment or time into solving it? Yeah. All stems from the fact yeah. that the only way we feel like we can monetize an audience is through the sale of our product or service when there are so many other ways to monetize audiences if we just start to get creative in the way that we look at yeah. modern marketing. And so yeah. if it's only if it's only about selling more widgets, then... Yeah. That the 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 calculus of how much I'm going to spend to do that can be tricky, mm -hmm. but if it becomes yeah. yes, we will sell more widgets, but we may sell more widgets more profitably. We may keep customers longer. We may actually have more insight into product development. We may have more ability to uh, distribute our products more efficiently. If we start looking at all of the other ways we can monetize audiences by getting better insight into our entire business, in other words, if we look at it like media companies do as a business strategy, then it starts to make a lot more sense from an ROI perspective. Yeah, no, that's splendid. No, I completely agree. So um, when people are look, when your valuable audience are looking for information about this sort of thing, where might they find that? Well, they'll find it on our little hovel on the web called contentadvisory.net. And then uh, we are, uh, I'm writing every week for contentmarketinginstitute.com and, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, come join our little podcast, Joe and Maya's little podcast, where we talk about these things. That's this old marketing. And wherever you get your favorite podcast, catcher. Yes, I'm a big fan of this old marketing. And when people spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you, my friend? I'm leaning in heavily to LinkedIn these days. 
to have discussions online, finding it very entertaining and fun. I'm finding yeah. the quality of my feed has improved greatly since uh, Elon yeah. has mucked up uh, Twitter. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I've been leaning in heavily there. So LinkedIn is where you can find me. Splendid. And um, most importantly for me, will I find you in the bar next week? You will, and I, I can't wait to see what you do with the joint next. <laughs> I look forward to it, mate. I'll see you then. Yeah. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Bye. Thank you, Robert. And I will, of course, include all those links in the show notes. So, that's a wrap on episode 151 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thanks to Jeff, Shamir and Robert for sharing their insight and to you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. Please let us know what you think. You can contact us through our website, Rockstar CMO. Catch us on the socials. We are Rockstar CMO just about everywhere. Or leave a rating or review in your favourite podcast app or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, Jeff Clark and I will be back in the marketing studio. I have a wonderful marketer, author and podcaster, Izzy Howes, on the show to talk about space marketing. And Robert Rose will be back in the virtual bar. Until then, have a great week. And I hope you again join us next week here on Rockstar CMO FM. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.